Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. The point of this is to talk about money, okay? Why do I want to talk about money? Well, Firstly, you've got to understand that 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus spoke about, okay, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus talked on were about money and how to handle possessions. Did you know that? 16 of the 38, he gave 38 parables. Jesus mainly spoke in parables. What's a parable? A parable is a story. Jesus was an incredible teacher. Um, who knows who the best teachers they tell stories and you're engaged into the story and you learn from the story well Jesus was the master teacher if you ever if you ever want to read about a great preacher or a, a great teacher or someone who could communicate I would I would argue that Jesus was the greatest communicator that there ever was I, I've, I've heard from teachers who are revered and all of that sort of thing and and, and you sit and listen to them, you're like, oh, hold on, what am I listening to? What, what's actually going on here? I don't understand. Have you ever been in a room like that? You're like, okay. Or you've tried to come, come, go to some sort of spiritual thing and learn some sort of thing, and you're like, what are we talking about here? I'm not sure. Well, Jesus was never like that. It was, he always made his, his point very clear, okay? And the way he would do that was through parables, and 16 of those parables were about money and possessions. In the Gospels, you know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? That's the Gospels. Just nod your head so it looks like you know what you're talking about. That's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, one out of ten verses are about money. They directly deal with the subject of money. Okay, so that's 288 verses. Right? Uh, in the Bible, there's, it offers 500 verses on prayer. That's good. Um, less than 500 verses on faith, that's good, they're all good things, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. What? Why? 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 Does God, does God want your money? Does God want your money? Does God need your money? No. Nope. <laughs> There's a funny joke about a... Uh, 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 I don't know if I can... Okay, I'm just going to say an Irishman. Is there any Irish people here? <laughs> okay, good. There's no Irish people here. I, I've got Irish blood, so uh, my middle name is Kerry, which is actually... Anyway, I'm from... A, anyway, whatever. I'm from Australia, but I digress. There was an Irishman. He gets to heaven, you know, and St. Peter's there at the gates. And uh, this Irishman thought he was really clever because uh, he gets to the gates and um, he's got two bags of something you know, two bags, of, and they're strong bags, and he's sweating because he's walked all the way there, and he's got a sweat on his brow, and Peter's like, what, why are you sweating? And uh, the Irishman says, well, uh, I'm carrying these bags. And, and Peter says, what, what, what's in the bags? And uh, the Irishman says, and he, he, he kind of, you know, picks his head up and gets very proud. He's like, well, uh, I, I've worked out actually how to, how to carry gold into heaven. And, and Peter says, oh, you've, you're carrying gold. And, uh, and uh, Peter asks, well, can I have a look? And in, in the bags, these two bags, is, in each bag, there's six bars of gold, big bars of one kilogram. So he's 
carried in 12 kilos of gold. That's a lot of gold, right? Anybody got that in their cupboard? Anyway, you probably do, some of you, I don't know. Anyway, it's, there's 12, 12 kilos of gold in, in, his, in his bags. <clears throat> and Peter says, I, I've just got one question. And the Irishman proudly says, wow, yes, thinking that Peter is going to ask him how. Peter just says, listen, why, why are you bringing road base into heaven? You understand something about the Bible. It says that the streets of heaven are paved with gold. Now, just think about that. We use in, in India and Australia mostly bitumen, bitumen and concrete because they are resources that are easy to find and, and practical. Well, in heaven, they use gold. I just want you to think about that for a moment. Does God need your money? The Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of cattle. It's a lot of cows. Okay. The second reason is, 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 is why, we, why would we talk about this? Is it because the church needs your money? Well, not necessarily. I did some sums, just kind of, and this is my own um, calculations, and I'll just say one thing. I'm pretty bad at maths, okay? But I just did a little bit of research for about 20 minutes, oh, probably 15 minutes on what do you think the global church is worth? The global church. If you were to combine all of the churches together globally, not C3, but all of the churches, I reckon you would pray, the yearly revenue of the church would probably hit up around about $400 billion dollars. Now, to give you an idea, if you were to combine Reliance, Tata, and Mahindra, okay, and their yearly revenue from last year, like last year's tax re returns, their combined revenue was $167 billion. So the church's combined income revenue was $400 billion. Does the church need your money? There are organizations out there that, that have a lot of money that, you know, guys like me who are church planters can actually make application to and, uh, and, uh, and ask for money so that we don't have to pay for anything. You know that? But I haven't done that. <laughs> I haven't done that. And there's a reason why I haven't done that um, is because I want you to get the blessing. The problem with that, and this has happened a lot in the Church of India, is um, the abroad has given to the church in India and uh, the blessing has stayed there. We get the money, but the blessing stays there. I want the blessing and the money. You okay, that's all right. You'll get this later. You'll get this later. I'm not talking about for me. I'm talking about for you. God has got something incredible in store in this series. Does the church need your money? No. Does Ryan Waters need your money? Ryan and Rachel? No. That's not why the Bible talks about money, and that's not why I'm doing this series. I don't need it. God is my provider, and He's provided ever since we've started this church, and He provided ever since before. But do do would would we need would we need to do we need to kind of have that money from you guys so we can do this? Well, not necessarily. I like I said, I could probably make application to organisations that I know of that would enable you to just come here for free. But then the blessing would stay there with them. I want you to have the blessing. Okay. 
So the Bible doesn't talk about money to get something from you. The Bible doesn't talk about money to get something from you, but actually to get something to you. And here's what we have to understand, is what you do with your money reveals your heart. What you do with your money reveals your heart. Let me, let me show you a scripture, okay? It's Matthew 6, 21. Matthew 6, 21. And, and this is really between you and God. And I'm not here to make anyone feel guilty. If you feel guilty today, um, it's because you don't quite understand the gospel. The gospel says this, that where you fail to meet God's requirements, He bridges the gap. That's the gospel. We were sinners, we were born into sin, yet He gave His Son so that our, the gap that was there between us and God, the, the, the drift, the, the gap, the distance that was between us and God was bridged by the cross. So I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here, you will be challenged though, because it might require some change of thinking. But that change of thinking is going to get something to you if you're not already walking in this way. Matthew, Matthew 6, 21, it says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you do with money reveals your heart. If, if, if you were to say, okay, Ryan, I, my heart is for poor people, and, uh, you know, to, to, to help poor people uh, not be poor anymore, and then I was to go, okay, how, how would we do a KPI on that? How would we see what the key deliverables are in your actual heart, what you're actually going on about? What would be the one thing that would show me whether or not that is true? Your bank statements. Your bank statements. That's what would show you if that's true or not. If I was to look at your bank statements and it's uh, restaurant, 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 H&M, Zara, Netflix, restaurant, 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 restaurant. I would say your heart's not for the poor. You might think it is, but your treasure is where your heart is. Okay? <laughs> I told you it'd be challenging today. Are you okay? And I'm not here to make anyone feel guilty, all right? I'm just here to illuminate some things for you, to switch a light on some of the things in our hearts, right? And, uh, but, but you have to understand that money will reveal your heart. It's a horrible thing, actually, like that. You'll be challenged by, I'm challenged by this. I am totally challenged by this. Have you ever thought twice about giving some money to something you're not sure if you're going to get any return on it? Yeah, but I'm, I'm totally challenged by this. But I want to tell you a story of the rich, young, this, this story of the, it's called the story of the rich young ruler. And it's with Jesus, and it's Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 25. And I, this is, the, I want to show you something. And, and Jesus was helping this guy. He was actually trying to help him, but he actually couldn't. This man walked away from Jesus. Could you imagine meeting Jesus face to face? Who would like that? Most of you. Some of you are like, I don't know, a bit scared of him. I'm not sure if I would. I'd probably run away. I don't know what you would feel like, but I wouldn't mind meeting Jesus face to face. And actually, what would you ask Jesus? You know, what would be the question that you would ask Jesus? What's the one question? 
Well, this guy actually had that moment with Jesus. Okay? He's obviously thought about this. He's obviously like thought, if I get to see Jesus, I'm going to ask him this one thing. So he comes to Jesus. Okay? And uh, is in Mark chapter 10. It says that as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to, do, to, to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher. This guy's a good guy. This guy's a God-fearing man. This guy's a pious gentleman. Teacher. He declared. Ah, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus, this is how I was, I was raised. This is my, my, my morality. I mean, you're talking about the law. You're talking about the Torah. I, I was raised on that. I know that through and through. I'm a good person, Jesus. I got it all together. Jesus looked at him. I want you to note this. What did he do? Jesus looked at him and... You've got to get something about the heart of Jesus. And you've got to get something, and this has to be, this message has to be saturated with love. Because if it's not, you're going to miss the point. Jesus looks at him and loves him. You know why Jesus looks at him and loves him? is because he could see into this guy's heart and he could see where he was failing. Just like he can see into our hearts. And he can see where we're failing. But you know where he, what he does when he sees our failure? He loves us. He loves us. And that love draws us to him closer. Jesus looks at him and, and loves him. And he says this one thing. There's one thing you lack. Like I said, God is not about you giving him his money, your money. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. One thing you lack. You've got to note that. One thing you lack. One thing I want to give to you is what Jesus was saying. And then he says this, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This is where the story gets interesting. <laughs> Could you imagine everyone watching at that point in time? They see this young, influential, rich man. He's just shown up in his Bentley. He's gotten out it. He's caught Jesus as Jesus is walking on into the mall and moving on. I'm just modernizing it. And because, because the crowd knew everyone, because everyone knew who this boy was, you know, the whole crowd is looking at him. Jesus turns around and wonders what's going on. And here's this boy who says, tell me one thing, teacher, that I need to do. And here publicly, Jesus says, there's one, 
is one thing you lack. Now here's an oxymoron. There's one thing you lack, it's your riches. That's what Jesus is saying to him. There's one thing you lack, and what is it? What you lack is your riches. He was rich. That's what he was lacking. At this, the man's face fell. He went away very sad because he had great wealth. I thought money made you happy. It doesn't make you happy when you realize it's, it's your ruler. It doesn't make you happy when you realize that it is running your whole life. And that's why he, he went away sad. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. Jesus, he's a really influential, powerful guy. You should be, you should be kissing his feet. You should, he, he might be a donor to the kingdom. You know, he might be able to sort of fund everything that you're doing. You know? Jesus just like watches him leave. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel. I just picture this. I mean, Jesus had a sense of humor. He said this, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Okay, you know what an eye of a needle is, right? You know the little thing you put your cotton through? That's the eye. You know that, right? You're smart school and stuff, you would have learnt that. And you had a mum who knitted or whatever. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, now it, now it gets really challenging. Because even his disciples are going, whoa, uh, um, okay. Okay, Jesus. Now, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, well, well, hold on a sec. Uh, Who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Why did he challenge this poor young guy? Why did he challenge him so? Well, I'll tell you why Jesus challenged him. So is because Jesus was trying to challenge the, 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 the thing that that man had told his life about Jesus. He was actually trying to get him close to his That's why he said, sell all your possessions, possessions, and you come follow me. And the man couldn't. He couldn't. Because he had great wealth. He didn't go away. and gone this this stinks he would have been completely challenged by his whole livelihood and everything that he'd built his life for why did Jesus do this well there's another scripture that kind of shows sheds light on it 
that's going to help us. But it's challenging nonetheless. It's in Luke 16, verse 13. Luke 16, verse 13. It says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and... All right, what's this about? Jesus actually doesn't use the word money here in the old text, in the Aramaic. He actually uses a word mammon. Okay, this is where, why it's important to know your Bible because sometimes because of the translation from English into, sorry, from the original language into English, you can lose the actual meaning without actually kind of having a little bit of a dive into because they've found the best fitting word for the word, but the word, original word may have a little bit more meaning. See, the word mammon was actually a, a Syrian god, okay, a Syrian god called mammon, like as in a demigod, you know, that type of thing. That's what it was. And what it signified when you said mammon was, the, um, was a, a life devoted to obtaining wealth. That's what he was saying. A life devoted to obtaining wealth. Right? So what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying you can't serve God at the same time as serve this God of mammon, which is a life lived to obtain wealth. You can't do the two. That's what Jesus is saying. And this is what he was, he, he, this was what he was doing with the rich, rich young ruler. See, he saw something that was lacking in his life, and that was the fact that his life was given to another track. His life was given to something that wasn't God. You know what? The Bible talks about hard idols. Hard idols. You know what a heart idol is? A heart idol, I'm not talking about physical sort of statue idols. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the actual things that you worship. What are the actual things that you worship? The actual things that you worship are the things in your world that you will put before God in your decision-making process. Like say, Your career could become an idol where God is calling you into one thing and you know it. Yet you've said to God, no, I don't want that because I want this. Or a relationship in your world that you're in and you know that the Holy Spirit is, is like not on it. He's like not there. You want it, but you know God doesn't. And you say, you know what, God, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to just let this be. I still want all the goodness and all the peace and all the love from you, but, but I, I, you can't have that. That's an idol. See, that's what you're actually living your life for. You understand? And this is what happens with money. When you talk about idols, the chief item, and this is why the Bible talks about it so much, that will battle for your heart and put up the biggest fight for your heart will not be the devil. 
It won't be the devil. It won't be, you know, the evil, the devil. It'll be money. The biggest idol that you can, that you will battle with will be money. There will be moments in your life, and that's why it's challenging for poor old Mr. Ryan Preacher here to have to bring this message to you today. Please feel sorry for me. (laughs) But I have to. Why? Why do I have to? Because I have to be, I'm a shepherd. And God has entrusted you guys in this church to, 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 to Rachel and I as leaders, and we have to talk about some uneasy things. And one of the most uneasy things to talk about is money. Why? Why, why, why would it be the most uneasy thing to talk about it? Because it is the number one thing that will steal our hearts from God. And that's what happened with this rich young ruler. Now, I want to challenge you. If you were standing before Jesus and he said this to you, what would you do? Some of you are like, well, I've only got 10 rupees. No, no, he can have it. I'll not follow him. <laughs> but for some of us who have got significant wealth, who have got some significance in that regard, would be completely challenged by this. Because it would be like, well, hold on a second. That's my provider. Here's the thing about mammon. See, I believe that Jesus said mammon is, is because, because he said mammon and he, and he referred to that Syrian God because I think it does become a spiritual thing when we begin to live for it. This, this, and it does become an idol. See, here's the thing about mammon. Mammon will promise you identity. It will promise you security. It will promise you significance. Have you ever said, if I had this kind of income, I would be able to roll with these kind of people? Have you ever said that? If I had this kind of significance and the people knew how much I was worth, then they would talk to me. It promises significance. It, it promises happiness. It promises joy. It promises all of these things, but does it deliver on them? Sort of. Sort of. But not really. But what it will deliver on is your requirement of sacrifice. You know, for every God, every God that is out there, physical, non-physical, all of them require a sacrifice, including money. Well, how so? Well, money. Have you ever seen a man who is living for his career, who is, whose life is, is, is just to obtain wealth, and he's got a kid? You might have been that kid. And that kid is not getting the time it should be had spent with it because daddy's just at work all the time and he's never home. You know who is on the altar of sacrifice to that God of money? You know who is? The child, the kid. You see, you see, marriages break up where a spouse is just driven by money, money, I've got to get it, I've got to get it, and the marriage is falling apart. You know who was on the on the altar to that money and being sacrificed in order to, to for that God to be fulfilled? 
It's the spouse. You know what I'm talking about, right? Don't you, don't you think for a second that money doesn't require, or the God of mammon doesn't require sacrifice. It, it requires everything of you. It promises you everything, gives you hardly anything. And the fact is, is you work and you work and you work and you work for it all your life. And then you acquire all of this stuff and you put in a, a little box and it put down in a hole or you're burnt or whatever it is or whatever you prefer. And, and then your kids spend everything you made. They either do that or they go to court over it. I mean, how many court battles are on right now in this nation? Over what? Over what? People gave their lives for that. They, they gave up everything. They sacrificed to that God of mammon in order for what? So their kids could have something. What have their kids got? They've got battles, fights, court dates. Yippee. What a great life. It's a God of mammon. See, well, you've got to understand something. Jesus wants to set you free from that. He don't want you living for that. And over these next few weeks, you're going to understand some stuff about God. God does not need your money. He doesn't. But you need to be set free from the God of mammon. Now, if Jesus was standing before you today and he asked you the same question. If he said to you, listen. There's one thing you lack. Buddy, you've been, you've been, you, you worship awesome. You, go, you, you come to church. You do all this stuff. There's one thing you lack. Give everything to the poor and come follow me. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do? Anybody challenged by that? But the truth is this. This is really cool. Generally, generally, that's not what God is asking of us. It's not what he's asking of us in terms of our money. He, uh, <laughs> he doesn't really do that. But he was trying to do it for that guy because that was what that guy was struggling with. And there may be some of us in the room who God will really challenge to for this. Does that mean that I need to you know, work towards everything my whole life and then give every way, everything away to the poor and that will make me a good person? No. That's not what Jesus was trying to... He was trying to get something to this rich young ruler. He was trying to help this rich young ruler see what was driving his heart, what he was living his life for. You could give up all your wealth and still serve it. You could give up all your wealth for reasons that not, aren't really... You know, I was, I was chatting with a gentleman this week, actually. Nice, beautiful young man. Not a young man, he was an old man. I was, in, I was looking for a, for a venue for a conference that we're running later on in the year. And this man was very proudly telling me how he has worked. He's 60 plus, worked all his life. And now he's going back to his village and he's just going to devote his life to, to living in a village and living, you know, a, a sort of ascetic kind of life. But I could tell by the pride that it was still about the money even though he was giving up the money. Do you understand what I'm saying? We could, we could give all our money to the poor, and I've met people also who, who give all of their money to the poor and they talk about it so much. It's almost like, dude, like, why are you telling me so much how you give to the poor so much? 
is because that's, that's what they want. That's their reward. And the Bible says that those people who do that, they receive their reward in full. So the accolades that they might get from people, that's all they get. They don't get much from God. Because, see, it's not about anything but the heart. You understand? It's about the heart. So what does Jesus ask of us? Let's turn to Malachi 3.10. See, what Jesus asks of us is the tithe. It's just the tithe. And what's a tithe? A tithe means tenth. A tenth of your income. Tenth. This is a challenge for you. But I want to put it this way. I'll just read this to you and then I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is the one place where God says that. Test me in this. What, test me in what, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on, that there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop, and their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you. All the nations will call you. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now I've heard this scripture read in regards to a what we call a prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is this: it says, if you give to God, then you're going to get back. It's like a transaction. That's not what God is saying here. It's not, what, it's, not, it's not that simple. See, if you are giving to God in order just to get, you've missed the whole point. And one day Jesus will stand before you and say, okay, uh, you, you were living for wealth. That, that was the God of mammon. That's a different God, I'm sorry. That ain't me. And it's very sad when you see on television programs and all of these sorts of things, men and women saying things like, well, if you give right now, I'm just going to be praying for God to bless you and you're going to get a tenfold, press down, shake it together, blessing, and you, whatever, you give me $10 now, well, you're going to get $100 back. That is a lie and that's not from the, de- that's not from the devil. It's not from God, okay? It's not from God. It's not from the Bible. What this is saying is, test me and see that I don't provide for you. But what is God asking of us? Well, a tenth. Fortunately, it's not like the rich young ruler where God required everything of us. But it's actually different. Look at it this way. This is what God said. He said, you keep 90% and uh, give me 10%. Now, now... You go, oh, hold on a second, I, uh, I, I want to keep it all. It's all mine, God, it's mine. Well, that's an interesting statement, right? I, I, I love how my kids, that's one of the first words they actually learnt, right? Mine! Mine! We learned that pretty early on. It's my money. Well, to that I would just say, well, okay, is it really yours? Is it really yours or is it on loan? I, I would argue that it's on loan. 
Because the fact is, when you die, it stays here. You can't take it with you. You've got it for some time and then it moves on. It's not really yours. It's not really yours. Then whose is it? It's God's. And God says, I'm going to give you all of this, but I want 10% back. And I'm going to see. See, why does he do that? Why doesn't Jesus just like automatically debit it out of our account? This GST thing is amazing. <laughs> Last night I got some printing done for the journey. And uh, man, this guy calculated, he has some program on his computer. Instantly he's like tally for the day, putting in the GST for the day so that he doesn't have to worry about it later. Wow, that's amazing. See, he, he's doing that because someone's going to come after him hard if he doesn't, right? He knows it. God's not going to come after you hard and all of that sort of stuff. But one day we will stand before Him. And He will ask us this question. He'll say, listen up. I gave you this. I gave you everything. And I asked back for your tenth, your tithe. Oh, it's mine, God. I loaned it to you. Why did, why did God do this? Let me explain this to you. The church is God's bride. You know this? Jesus, His bride is actually us. Do you know that? I don't know if you know that. And in in Revelation, it talks about how the bride and the church, I mean, sorry, Jesus and the bride are going to come together and there's going to be this wedding of reuniting Jesus and us back to Him. You know, uh, if I was to go away, if I was to go away, and uh, maybe if I could get uh, Gorov and Shager and Alok, if you could come stand here, just there, just in a line. I'm going to finish in a moment. And uh, while I was away, I, I, I'm not able to, you know, give any money to my wife. I... I, I um, and what I, need her, what I need to have done is, is these three guys to look after her. So I give, I give Gorov $10,000, I give Alok $10,000, and I give Shaker $10,000. Uh, I should probably talk in rupees. $10,050, 500000 $500,000, so $500,000, $500,000, $500,000. And uh, I said to Gorov, listen up, and all of them, you guys, uh, I want you to keep 90% of that money. But Gorov, I need you to give to Rachel 50,000 rupees. Okay? And uh, Alok, I need you to give Rachel 50,000 rupees. And, and Sheikhs, I need, I need you to give Rachel 50,000 rupees. Is that that's a pretty good deal? Right? They get to keep 90%. Yeah. 10% goes to my bride. Okay? And I come back. I come back. One day I come back. Hey, I'm back. And I say to Gaurav, hey, Gaurav, how's it going? And he say, hey, it's good, thanks. I said, how did you go with Rachel, you know? Like, and he's like, well, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, there's going to be one bad guy in this story, and it's not a reflection of your true character. <laughs> Just... Uh, it's going to be you, Shaker, if you're okay with that. Okay. 
because you're the strongest here, you know, just kidding. <laughs> just warning you. Gaurav says, yeah, uh, I, gave, I gave Rachel, you know, the 1,000 as you required. I say, cool, thanks. That's awesome. Thank you, Gaurav. Cheers. And then I come to Alok. Alok, how'd you go? And you said, oh, well, well I, Ryan, I, I, gave, I actually gave Rachel 2,000. I just I felt like I should just do that. Huh? Sorry, 100,000. I, I actually gave Rachel 100,000. Oh, why'd you do that, Alok? Well, I just, you know, I just wanted to bless her. and I just felt like that's what I should do. And I, and, and, oh, that's awesome. And then I come to Shakes. Well, Shakes, uh, how's it going, man? You know, hey, 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 how's it going? Hey. Uh, listen, Shakes, I, I, I was talking to Rachel, you know, and uh, she didn't, she didn't really hear from you. And, and Shakes said, "Well, you know, I, I gave her, I gave her, uh, you know, I gave her, I gave her some of it, you know. I gave her like fifteen thousand rupees." And I, I just kept the rest. <laughs> you know, we, we, we kind of would be like, oh, okay. Well, I, I trusted you to, with that money. Why didn't you give it? Oh, I didn't want it. It's actually the same for us. See, you, you understand the church is Jesus, God's bride. And he has gone away for a little while. But he is coming back. And he's given us everything, 100%. But he's asked of, asked of us to give 10% back to his kingdom. Why has he done that? Well, you boys can sit down. Shaker, you're a good man. I know you'd give over and above. But why, 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 is, why has Jesus done it that way? Why is it? Because it's a test. Because God knows the one thing that will steal your heart will be money. So he set up a principle called the tithe, in place. He's put it in place so that that thing never rubs your heart. And when it comes to giving, you will be challenged. You will hear a master saying, come, live for me. You can't afford it. All of those sorts of things. You'll, you'll, you'll feel it. You'll know it's there. And what I love about this is it's not like you know, even if you've got 10 rupees, I would challenge you to begin to practice this principle. Not because I need your money, but you'll find that God will begin to unlock things in your world because you're trusting in Him. Well, I can only give one rupee. Yep, give it. Do it. And watch what God does. Because the one thing that means the most to Jesus, like the one thing that means the most to me, is my bride. The one thing that means the most to Jesus is his bride. So why would he not bless you when you get on the thing that means the most to him? When you actually begin to value what means the most to him? He will begin to bless you in ways you never thought. See, see, the Bible talks about it in other ways, and I've got to finish up, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this some more. But it says, He who can be trusted with little 
will be trusted with much. See, God is going to test you. And we all are faced with this test as we come in and begin to walk with God. It's like everything's good except for that flipping tithe message. I wish they could just remove that one thing. Right? Ever thought that? Even I've thought that. I'm like, man, if I just, I wish I didn't, uh, maybe I should just fundraise outside so I can just bless the, the Indian people as this guy, you know, foreigner guy, pastor, and just have this all set up so they can come. I would be doing a complete disservice to every one of you to remove this from you. I would actually be taking something from you, literally. What I would be taking from you would be the blessing that God has for those who begin to understand that it is about living for God and Him alone. And the test will come down to money. It'll always come down to money. It'll come down. Oh, I can't afford to do it. You know, the funny thing about that is I've never, I've never met a tither who has said, I can't afford to tithe. I've never met one. I've never met a tither who has said, I can't afford to tithe. I've only met those who aren't tithing saying, I can't afford to tithe. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? So does God need your money? No. Does, God, does the church want your money? Does Ryan want your money? Does Rachel want your money? No. What we want is for a church that is not bound down at an altar that is not the living God. What we want is a church that has stepped outside of the dark side of this society that we live in. We live in a society which is all about the money. It's all about greed. It's all about containing it within one section and keeping it there and letting nobody else have it. It's all about that. And just look at the fruit of it. You've got to understand, the church is the light. When people begin to realize that they can begin to not bow down to the God of mammon, Oh man, there are gods that people literally go for money. I go, oh man. If only they knew what they're actually bowing down to here. That it will require everything of them and give them nothing. When there is a God who is living, who wants to provide, He wants to give, he wants to sort you out. He wants to show you. He wants to help you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you over the next couple of weeks how that happens. How God actually works in His blessing. You're going to see it. But there's this step. There's this step of faith. There's this kind of darkness that you've got to walk on through. There's, there's some questions that you have to ask and have answered. And there's some discussion. I'm really hoping that today has, has really generated some questions in your mind. I want to hear them. I want to hear them. I want to hear your questions about, I want to talk about this. I want you to come to one of the connect groups during the week and talk about it because it's important that we understand that this is not about God needing your money but about your heart. 
and what you have actually set it apart for. Amen. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi. 